I love zeroing gonks <laughs> with my chooms. <laughs> Me and my chooms were grooving down the tube, yeah. and we were zeroing gonks. Yeah. Yeah. Zeeped out, zeeped out of our fucking gourds. <laughs> you gotta be. <laughs> we were zeeping on dwarfs yeah. and <laughs> zeroing gonks with my chooms. Um, I was gonna tell all the. Well, I was gonna start by telling all the gonks that listened to our show that we had a real preem brain dance form. Yeah, SVD. <laughs> well, the gonks who listen to our shows need to get zeroed. By me and my chooms when we're dwarfing. No, okay, the gonks we don't zero. <laughs> okay, gonks we might zero or possibly flatline. This yes. is this, is, but our our chooms. Yes, they are they are our friends. We do not want to zero them or flatline them. We want to treat them to a nice XBD extreme yeah. brain dance. Um, yeah, maybe get them, give them some eddies. I would <laughs> love to give my chooms some eddies and zero my gonks. It is real. I can see why they want to keep writing these. It is fun to do. It's fun to just talk like this. My name is Justin Macker, and I know the most extreme brain dance of the week. My name is Griffin Macker. I'm ready to jack in. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Russ Rush, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It is a video game club. Just by listening, you've become a member. Now, these these games, these games have come a long way since Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> they sure have. In this particular exact example, yes. This this has come a long way. This week we're talking about Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, which I really did think was about Metal Gear. It's, but it's and not. It it's still might Plant. be. It still could possibly be. Well, let me tell you what it is. It's an expansion to the original Cyberpunk 2077, an action spy thriller featuring Idris Elba, heavily, heavily inspired by Escape from New York. The DLC also comes with, well, actually, anybody who has a game gets this, the 2.0 update, which uh, fixes a lot of things in the base game, new upgrades, fixed up skill tree, a police system that actually works. Uh, the game's great now, and we're going to talk about it right after this break. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so... You know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family 
all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Cyberpunk 2.0, Phantom Liberty Pain. Remembered yeah. fuck all about their experience with Cyberpunk 2077. I remember he was, uh, Keanu showed up and he was yeah, in my know head. That. I remember mm-hmm. that part. And he's still in your brain. They he's still, still there. Still I, he's still in there. He's still uh, cozy and safe. I remember a general, a general sense of irritation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I remember how I felt, but uh-huh. not like what happened. Which yes. Ha- well, here here's a show of hands. How many people skipped to the DLC? Because when you start the game now, you can either start from the very beginning and you'll work your way up to the Phantom Liberty event. I think you need to be like level twenty start- or something to do Phantom Liberty. I don't know. I think it's gated to a story thing. I would oh. recommend everyone do what I did. Follow my path, mm. which is I started fresh fresh new character and there's like a very brief intro sequence depending on what background you pick uh and then it there's like a vr tutorial that is very in-depth and very detailed and then once you do that if you've played the game before then you start over and just skip right to the do the skip to phantom liberty choice and because this game is got a lot of mechanics that you are not going to remember because it came out three fucking years ago if you have not played the game to completion before, you could also do what I did, which is the exact opposite, <laughs> which is I played Phantom Liberty for uh, probably like three hours. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really good. Wait, is this whole game good now? Stop Phantom Liter- Liberty, started a new game from the very beginning and discovered, yes, the whole game is good now. The whole fucking now game just, is really good. It's really it's- Really, really good. <laughs> I remember, so I did something kind of similar to Plant, which was when I downloaded it, there were some issues with, I was playing on Xbox and there were some issues getting the DLC, but I did have the 2.0 update. So I was like, maybe I'll just do side stuff in my save game that is like more or less right at the like point of no return right before the ending. And I ended up like getting totally absorbed in that. And I was like, holy fuck, this game is like fun as shit. It took me like two hours to remember what the buttons did. But yeah. once I was in, I was like so in. It's a lot. It kind it's, of, a, it's a lot to get back. I, it, I it just is. started going for it. And it. I do not recommend that because it was a pretty chunky first hour where I was trying to like get my sea legs under me. There's still a lot in yeah. there. You did it with an existing save, Justin, or you start from scratch? I did start from scratch. And I did finish the game, but for, for code obtaining reasons, um, I started uh, fresh on PC with just jumping straight into Phantom Liberty. Um, I watched a recap video of like the events of Cyberpunk 2077 in as much as that is possible, considering it is a game with like a branching narrative choices, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I remembered absolutely none of it. And it's not really that important. The stuff, the idea that Johnny Silverhand, former punk rocker slash uh, army nuclear bomb dropper <laughs> yeah right so the the idea that he is living in your head has not really resolved itself by the end of 2077 uh th- there's a couple different options you can go with it kind of th- this dlc assumes that he's still uh still kicking it in your head and but you don't 
like story wise, you don't. It doesn't refer to doesn't matter. the other stuff. It's it's nope. pretty well. It also this takes place before the end of the main story. Of right. That's true. Yeah, and it and it also is like in an area that's fairly like self contained, right? Like yeah, this the new stuff is here. You're not running all over the city. Night Dog city. town. I think the plot of the DLC is they. Ju- that's all you need, I think, to sell this because yeah. you are cool street hacker V and the president's airplane crashes into a very bad part of town. And it's, are you a bad enough dude to save the president uh, from Dogtown? That's a cool ass premise for any uh, for any game. I think all or, DLCs or movie for that matter for all which or is, movie, yeah. yeah, which is Escape from. <laughs> but listen, hey, all DLCs, Elden Ring DLC, save yeah. the president. Yeah, it, fucking any game could be improved by teaming is up with Idris Elba to go save the president. There's a president in Elden Ring. There's in the a, Elden well, Ring? there's demons. Um, and gods. Sure. Uh, yeah, there's a great <laughs> there's a great like very early. Before, like, great title sequence drop <laughs> when it's just like you've been running around shooting people, and then a plane starts crash landing and on you, on basically. You, and your character's like, Okay, <laughs> let's go save the president. <laughs> and then they jump and then out of Cyberpunk tube. Phantom Liberty. It's yeah, hot it's shit. It's really good. Um, you, there's, there's a moment very early on where you're kind of introduced to the area, and you they're like, Okay, you should get in this vehicle, right? A motorcycle, something like that. And you're just driving to where the plane is going to crash, and like, People are like running alongside. I mean, it's it's a scene that is directly ripped from Escape from New York. Yeah, but it is captured in such. Fu- this game is so fucking pretty now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm playing on Xbox. This is not like a nine thousand dollar PC. I'm playing on an Xbox Series X, and it looks fucking stunning. And the fact that that like they have pulled this game from the ashes to become one of the best looking games, and honestly, one of the best playing open world games I've played ever. It's amazing. I, I was trying to figure out, like, how is that possible, right? Because I, I I remember listening to y'all's episode. You did it with Ron, and it was – people were pretty bummed out by this game. Have we been doing episodes with Ron for that long? That's yeah. wild. That, I, I, think I think that did might have been one of the first. this game came out in 2020. Yeah, and I, here's here's my theory on on how they were able to fix it. The original Cyberpunk, you know, like, you know, when you go to a Disneyland uh, dark ride, like Pirates of the Caribbean or like Splash Mountain, and they haven't fixed it up in like a really long time. And then some of the animatronics are working and like some of them aren't working at all. And most of them are like kind of off. Not at Disneyland, they, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, it, it just looks like really weird and kind of like discomforting. That is kind of how playing the original Cyberpunk. A little bit, watch. yeah. It's it. There, it is definitely that sense of like you can tell. You feel like if you walk behind any of the buildings, you'll see like it being propped up on two by fours. It's just a facade that you like. The whole world is just barely kind of hanging together. Yeah. But the weird yeah. thing, weird thing, and this DLC kind of highlighted that is like how many people did like kind of an amazing job right from the jump of Cyberpunk, like right when it launched. And I'm talking about like. The art designers, the world designers, the like, all the like visuals are there and they're spectacular. The game and, just and didn't the writing. Run. I feel like the writing, the writing in this game really gets good. a short shrift because yeah. of the it, it, like wild amount of street lingo that they have <laughs> that they implement in it. But there is there are sequences in this game that I think put a lot of other. Like open, especially open world games, like writing to to absolute shame. The number of like little 
like stories and really intense scenes that you encounter is 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 really impressive. And just to just to mention it, it's also like for me the best I can't remember better like face like recreation, face mapping, whatever you want to call it. Like the yeah. the digital performances look really quite good. Really yeah. good. I mean, you really do get a sense of the full performance, not just like we put Bruce Willis's face on this character you know, yeah. with 20 polygons available to us. Like, it feels like you are watching a scene. And it's pulling off some, like, w- something that a, but very few games uh, that have this kind of, like, I don't know if it's performance captured or if it was rendered uh, by hand, but the communicating things outside of the dialogue with face like with um, movements, uh, tiny gestures, things like that. Most games don't have the confidence to do that, right? Like the all the story, all the emotion has to be communicated through the words, through the voice performance. And they really have the 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 wherewithal, I think, and the the confidence with what they're doing to like let the performances carry a lot more of the the story and the narrative rather than just relying on on the script. Yeah, the the pacing also is just incredible mm-hmm. of, of the base game. The first I, hour and seven, like hour and three quarters, about a movie length, is whatever original opening that you pick because you can pick between three for your character. It is meeting your effectively best friend for the game with a killer opening montage that sells you on these two people actually having a friendship, and uh, and getting your first implants and your first mission together. And by by the time like a movie would end, you are stepping out of your apartment for the very first time and getting into like what will be the game. Well, at and that the, point, uh, three years ago, there was a big crash and then you yeah, yeah. play the game for three right. weeks. But now it actually works. Yeah. The two things I remembered when this first came out was there was the mission from the original demo that was so cool where you go into the apartment and pull the body from the yeah. bathtub and that that was an, a disaster <laughs> For me when I played it the first mm. time. Now it actually kind of feels like that original presentation. Um, it feels like a part of the city rather than just a little closet where a, a mission happens. Yeah. And then also the apartment, I just got stuck when I played it originally. It kept uh, breaking the waypoint. So I, mm. I spent like an hour just wandering the apartment trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. Um Yes, it's so much better. I think this this like main th- this like campaign, which is pretty beefy for. I mean, it's always weird expectation setting when you're talking about length of like standalone content or DLC. I've done nothing else. I feel like, from what I can tell, I'm maybe like two thirds of the way through it. Um, through the DLC, you're talking about through the DLC, through the yep. main thrust of the DLC. I I have to say like. I think this would be so weird to play as a part of a main playthrough of your campaign because it's so propulsive. Like it's so like you you don't really get a lot of downtime. Every once in a while, Idris Elba and his infinite wisdom will be like, I need a day just to like <laughs> figure this stuff out. So go, I don't know, whatever you do when I'm not talking to you. Well, he really... also, there are moments also in the DLC where you'll like, like there's some side missions that they added as yeah. part of the DLC where you'll steal a car and what kind of blew me away was you'll steal a car in Dogtown. This is the new area. And they'll be like, okay, deliver it. And you don't really know where you're delivering. You just follow the waypoint, whatever. 
And then like without even realizing it, I'm suddenly in the main map of the normal game and there's no load screen. I mean, there's like a brief like checkpoint moment, yeah. but there's no load screen. It's totally fluid. And so you have these moments where you are kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit. And that's pretty fucking like amazing. Normally these DLCs are like so, like you think about like the Skyrim DLC, the Fallout DLC, they're so self-contained they don't really exist within the world itself. And a lot of this, granted, does take place in this DLC area. But they were, I think, really smart in integrating this map into the overall rest of the map. It is also stunning how rich the world is with with different things that are actually interesting that happen to you. Like scenes that you just walk up on and that are not like directed or anything. It's just like you're encountering it. There is one uh, beat where very secret agent, um, you you are uh, undercover at a party, and the party that you're at, you get the mission objective to enjoy the party. And I didn't quite understand why, but once I got into it, I realized it is. I've never seen anything like it. There are probably two hundred different like people in this party, and as you're walking around, there are dozens of conversation like all around you conversations are happening and you can like walk up and listen to one walk away walk over somewhere else and someone's having a completely different a- absolutely believable conversation and it i've never seen anything like, it is absolutely like a sh- like a a bravura like here you go look at this yeah we made a whole party it, it, they're showing off a little bit but i think it's like so after some of the other um sci-fi open world games we've uh partaken of this year <laughs> Uh, playing a game that is that like rich with stuff where you don't feel like time is wasted, where you really legitimately are pulled off the main trail by something that just like looks cool that you want to investigate there. They're like, you get like weird item drops like you, uh, that you would see in uh, like a Fortnite or something like that by the big rich guy that's trying to keep everybody on their toes. And he'll just drop, uh, items and you see this like red plume of smoke and everyone in the area is suddenly sprinting for this. Th- like all the NPCs like get guns and are running for this thing and you're running for it too. It is, it's, uh, it's so rich uh, in a way that puts other uh, titles to shame. It definitely feels like they were trying to, this was like, they knew they had one shot at like redeeming this effort. And they've been trying, you know, they've released a variety of free patches over the course of these three years. But you know, I had tried 1.5, which is the last big update, and it still wasn't quite there. But this was them basically saying, yep, we finally got it to a place. And I don't know that it gets to this place without feedback and without the reaction. I don't know that they spend the amount of time that was required to fix this game if the game came out and it was like a B plus. Like, I think they really felt like this was their shot to make this a redemption story in the way that like no man's sky was and they kind of fucking knocked it out of the park i mean what choice did they have right like i mean the choice was just to move on to like the old business end of this at all like they really needed to turn this one around they uh, did but like the traditional the traditional choice in the game industry was well sorry next game and they'd go and make witcher and hopefully that was better but obviously uh, you know their business would be pretty diminished and a lot and of games honestly well. are built in such a way that would allow for such a, a miraculous recovery. Like most games are built to be pretty rigid and not allow this level of customization without like a full sequel 
coming out. Like you look at Destiny 2, which required like a pretty major overhaul. So Or Anthem. I mean, that's- Or like Anthem, which never came back, yeah. Does this yeah. bother you guys to like, I'm feeling very conflicted because there's this one hand where it's like, man, they really have turned this thing around. It's really fun now. It is three years, like, since they were charging people 60, 70 bucks for this thing. Like, does it feel weird to compliment someone for finally making the game that they said they were making three years ago? I, um, if, if this was the only... I don't feel that way necessarily, but I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. I, if this was the only big change... Like, the 2.0 update, like, refines a lot of stuff, but they have been, like, fixing cyberpunk since it yeah. came out. Russ mentioned the 1.5 update, which was which was pretty huge. Like... That this it, when the original game came out, it had a lot of uh, technical issues. I think more than anything else, that is what killed it for me. Is that it would just crash and not work a lot of the time, and the physics would get really fucking weird, and driving anywhere was a nightmare. I, and they've sort of slowly polished off the rough edges. Uh, I I don't actually think the 2.0 update, if you look at a list of features, is that wild. Like it rebalances the how the perks work. Yeah, I think the skill tree is like foundationally a shift of how this game is played, and we haven't really talked. I, like I could dive into it, but it is. I mean, I don't know that it does. Huge. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. It's just like a better skill tree. Like I, it just, I think it reinvents it in so far as you know the original skill tree was you do ten percent more damage with an assault rifle, or you do twenty percent more damage with a pistol. The new skill tree is when you dash, you can now slow time while aiming to get a headshot. And if you land that headshot, it's an instant crit like that. Or you can now launch yourself off a car to get into combat immediately. Like the skill tree is now like the ideal skill tree. We talked, I think we talked about this in the original episode. Like no one wants the 3% increase to damage. Yeah. Like like skill that sucks. Yeah. But they knew that now they learned that lesson and they've <laughs> gone through and made that change across the board for every play style. I think there and was it's... a perk in the original skill tree that was uh, if you, you, stealth attacks from underwater deal like 10% bonus damage, which was not a use case that ever, <laughs> ever, ever appeared in the game. I also cannot think of another. Uh, I'm sure there's there's some. Another action game, certainly first person action game, where there is this much like flexibility in how you approach different uh, scenarios, like different, not just like weapon selection, but like the extent to which you're leaning on tech, the extent to which you're like hacking and, and doing stuff like that or relying on just like pure strength and blades. I mean, you could just be that if you wanted yeah. to. I, I think it's really like the amount of options they give you. Um, I will also say for whatever this is worth, I, I did not have my jumping in straight where I was. I ha, I have not had much trouble in terms of like keeping up with the the difficulty curve. I think it sets you out at a pretty good, uh, pretty good place. You do get like a lot of junk. You pick up a lot of stuff, and there's probably still a little bit too much like dismantling of the twenty hats that I have <laughs> um, for for my taste, but. Uh, um, there, there are there are a ton of of different like play style options. Those perks really highlight that too. Can we go Oops, through I, like how how are people playing? I I just want to go back to the the question about you know is it okay for the game to get fixed up like this and how do we feel about that? I I think there's something interesting here in that games are both like art 
and then also like buying a car that you expect to work versus movies where like Marvel releases a movie and the script fundamentally doesn't work and the CGI is like looks incomplete and we just say that's like a bad movie and then we like move on and then Marvel never fixes it though with CG maybe that's changed a little bit. Um, I mean, they fixed so Star it, Wars I, with the with the remakes. You and know? I mean, they yeah, fixed, they make it much they better. Justice League with the Snyder yeah. Cut. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I think with games, there's this weird thing at launch where people are like, well, if it doesn't work, they didn't put in enough effort, and this is like a dishonest product, more like a car that you would want to be recalled. And I think. Uh, one, I think it's just great at all that companies fix this because no company is releasing this trying to like scam people. They're releasing it because they feel some economic pressure or uh, maybe it's a, a yeah, investors or maybe it's people, whatever else. Okay, okay, but I, listen, this is kind of what we're going to talk about in the B segment, right? So I, I, I think we should return to it. I will say – People scam people because of economic pressures all the time, especially corporations, right? Like, this is not – we we had to for money. Like, yeah, I know. No, I agree. to people because we needed their money. I, I think there's a difference between, like, Shell Oil and, like, a company that releases one game every six years. And it's, like, name depends on its success, you know? Like, I, I just don't think that they were rushing this out to, like – Intent. They didn't make a game as a scam. You know, the business model wasn't <laughs> it was scam. scam. It wasn't curiosity was or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we weren't just clicking boxes. Okay, well, well, um, I want to talk about more <laughs> in the B segment, but focusing on, on this, uh, I Idris Elba's great, by the way. Um, fucking great. Idris Elba's great, so dialed into this. Um, there's a real, like, it, 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 true to, like, secret agent stuff, there's very much, like, who do you trust? Whose side are you on? Who can you believe? And it kind of, it's tough for me because like, it's probably going to be Idris Elba for me, man. He looks <laughs> at me with those eyes and he's like, do I have your trust? I'm like, hell yeah, you do, Idris. Let's get Fuck out of yeah, here, Fuck yeah, Knuckles. Mind. Let's party. Hey, there's a whole other, do you want to just hang? There's like a whole city here. We can just go fuck up stuff together. Like, it's no problem. We can just hang. Uh, what What was your guys' play style? How are how you? Doing? Uh, I just respect to a gorilla arms based play style, and I'm never looking back. It's so you a, just go in there and you just Donkey Kong it up. I go berserk. I turn on my berserk chip, and I let God <laughs> handle the God sort them out when yeah. I zero the gonks. I have an explosive pistol uh, that I use to uh, shoot people, and then I have a smart. SMG that I use to kill to kill people, and then I I tend to use the uh, tech stuff just as like a little bonus magic, just like cast some spells on people to keep other people busy. Quick uh, hacks and such. Quick hacks. There's stuff like there's cool sh- shit like being able to like glitch people's weapons, and it's so neat to be able to like reboot someone's vision while you're killing someone else, and they're like, hey, what? You just keep them busy for a second while I'm killing someone else. Um. So I, you start with kind of like a balanced one if you just skip right to the DLC. Uh, but I did try a few, like the relic. There's one relic that allows you to go uh, invisible, like this is in a new, battle. This is the new character uh, added yeah, new in the skill DLC. Tree, yeah. You get yeah, like new Yeah, it's kind of superhero-y almost. The one that I liked was you can find a character's weak spot. And it's not just like a headshot anymore. It can be like their kneecap. 
And when you uh, shoot that weak spot enough, there's like a little square around it that, you know, slowly disintegrates. It breaks and it deals 100% crit damage to them and creates like an explosion to nearby enemies. And it's awesome, especially if you like build a smart weapon uh, build for it and you have something that's going to auto target that. It just magnifique. Uh, but then I, I restarted. And now I, I'm focusing on like a really fast moving, um, invisible, probably a sword uh, build. Okay, I'm gonna suggest something that it took me a while to come to this realization, but it's extremely cool. Throwables. This is a build that I never ever play in other games because, for obvious reasons, no one wants to manage your 16 knives in a whatever. But here, when you do a throwable, in this case, a throwing knife, they're basically on cooldown. So you just get it back after whatever the cooldown expires. But there's a whole tree that's dedicated to reducing that cooldown and increasing knife damage such that you can fly into a room, knife throw people, instantly get the knife back, knife throw people, and do that like six times while your slowdown cyber deck is going to the point where the entire room is dead before anyone even moves. It's fucking awesome. Highly recommend it. Uh, that's, I mean, I, making a value judgment f- always seems weird, but I, th- I think it's pretty darn reasonable considering... Uh, I'll, I'll, if you if you want a, an excuse to jump back in, which is really, I mean, I haven't touched it since I finished it, obviously. Um, but uh, I I think it's I think it's great. I mean, also just the original game. It's it's like I think the original game is thirty five dollars right now. Is there a yeah, package? my my advice Probably. would be if you're not sure. Well, first of all, if you bought the game and it's just been languishing in your Steam account or PlayStation account, whatever, boot it up. Just do side missions and see if you're into it. Like, if you're vibing with it, chances are you're going to get to the end of it and be like, oh, shit, this is fucking great. I want to see more. I want to unlock more perks, whoever it is. Bam, the DLC is waiting for you. But I don't think there's any reason if you already own the game not to, like, get your sea legs first before just buying the DLC, even though I agree with you, Justin. It's fantastic. Um, I think it's, you know, sitting right there for a lot of people. Um. Fantastic. Well, well, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to c- uh, come back and talk more about uh, games that have been given the space to to grow and uh, whether or not we'll see another game like uh, Cyberpunk again. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want. Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. 
So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print little details. And all of a sudden, they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Now let's so, make some eddies. <laughs> So Cyberpunk, as, we all, as we've established multiple times in this episode, launched in a total fucking disaster. Um, the, the frequency that this happens is not a ton. Like when there's a game that has this big of a budget, that has this big of a team that is in development for this long, invariably, usually I would say like 90% of the time, the game comes out and it's like either fine or it's great. It's never, or at least very rarely is it terrible and a total disaster. And I feel like Cyberpunk and to a lesser extent No Man's Sky have kind of laid the groundwork for studios to make the argument that, hey, we do not want another Cyberpunk on our hands. And I think you're starting to see publishers more willing to delay games to avoid that potentiality. I would. okay. I have a question for you, for you guys. Would you rather play to completion? 1.0 1.0 Cyberpunk 2077 or 1.0 Starfield. I mean, I I did both. So yes, wish us, but but I'm saying to you right now, you've got to do one of them again. Which would you do? Starfield. Starfield's like Starfield functions. It works. It it's whatever. Like you know, the gameplay didn't necessarily throw me, but the game works and has some moments to it that are like enjoyable and it was fine to freshness point they spent a lot of time polishing that to not have it be the typical bethesda release yeah if you look at the version i mean it doesn't have bugs but yeah what cost when when (laughs) starfield launched if you look at the version number it was like 1.56 which is to say the game was at 1.0 eight months before the game released and they just spent all that time addressing the classic you know bethesda game studios critique of like oh these games launched a mess <laughs> and 
But yeah, no, they, I mean, they did it. They, I, they were able to address those problems. I, I, I really, okay. So, so we were kind of, we were kind of hitting at something uh, that I think is worth returning to. Is it, should, should this be the way things are? By which I mean, launching a game, chart, doing a full launch, charging full price with an understanding that over time it will improve. Is that something that only like certain developers can get away with? Maybe like can can the CD product or is it or would you prefer I'm talking from a consumer perspective. Is it better to get a a project that is like still getting tinkered with, right? And still getting patched up and still getting fixed, or is it better to uh because I, I don't know that this with the scale of these games, I don't know that it is realistic anymore to expect someone to um get a game of this scale to like a hundred percent um yeah well we have an example that we can look to very obviously and very recently that's Baldur's Gate 3 came out in early access I think the same year as Cyberpunk I think it was a 2020 early access release and I mean it wasn't broken as fuck but it was only a very small portion of the game and there were a ton of bugs because it was early access and the general understanding was yeah it's early access so it's fine I think that needs to be the approach. If you're making a game that is so big that you don't think that you can release it without a ton of bugs, you need to be very upfront upfront with people. You need to make it clear that, hey, this is going to have some issues, but it's early access, and we will get there. You just need to give us time. What you can't do is what Cyberpunk did, which was launch it, say it's a great game, and y'all should play it, and look at these great unrepresentative trailers. And then... Everyone realizes it's a, it's a, a sham. Basically. That is where the corporate scamminess that we talked about before gets icky with cyberpunk in particular is the especially the way that they presented the game versus the uh, last gen console stuff. That is I forgot about that. As fuck. I mean, yeah, even if you look bad. at the like E3 trailers and granted, we all know that E3 trailers are kind of bunk to begin with. But like there's a lot of that stuff in the E3 trailers that still isn't in cyberpunk. Like, it's still yeah. not in the 2.0 update. So, like, yeah, there was definitely some, like, eh, not great communication going on there that bordered on maybe not honesty. And yeah. that's where, again, I, you know, I'm incredibly impressed by what Baldur's Gate did. And no one dunked on them for releasing an early access game because the understanding was that it would get addressed. And it was. And it came out and it was fucking amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I I think it, it's just too big of a gamble for this to be like a a conscious business model, you know. Like the, I think there's a conspiracy theory version of this of like, hey, developers know they don't have to finish the games now because like you can just get this uh, this story of you know redemption and you can build it into your PR campaign. And sure, when it when it works, it it, it works really well. And there's there are a number of examples. Elder Scrolls Online is another one, but and a big butt here, you can still be Anthem, and mm. you can lose. Oh wow, that, that's such a good call, Plant. That's such a like. Oh yeah, you think it's a g- gamble worth taking? I present exhibit Anthem. Yeah, and and like if, if on the nasty shareholder level, nobody likes to see the, your terrible headlines. It it just it feels like such such a risk to say like this is a business model, and I think that is why. 
uh, everything from uh, Zelda to Starfield, we're hearing that these games have been finished for a long time before release because they they do want to get it close to right. That said, I, I think you're also right, Justin, that even if you get it close to right, I mean, unless you're Elden Ring. Well, even Elden Ring had some had some bumps at launch. You know, mm. we've kind of erased that from our collective brains. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it's like a, a coherent business model that every publisher is going to aspire for. I just think you got to have the honest – like I think there's yeah. a lot of people that are willing to pay full price to start playing something early, right? That's kind of what the early access thing yeah. w- was all about. And why, I, I think you're uh, – tell me if I'm wrong because you guys pay a lot closer attention. I feel like for a while everybody was doing early access, even the bigger companies. It feels like there's less of a um, – like it's harder to get a marketing campaign going around a game that's in – early access so you're not seeing it as much but that's my own sort i of think you're seeing in the people, in the triple a like big big studios well i think with Baldur's gate there essentially wasn't much of a market i mean there was a marketing campaign but it was pretty light while they were through early access like going through those multiple years and then at launch there was like a big push to be like okay this game is done honestly like so long as you kind of hit a bit of a baseline with the early access in terms of sales you don't need to sell a ton a ton you just need enough that's like the word of mouth is relatively good and people are talking positive things about it. It's fine. Um, and then eventually, like, the game will come out and it's great. I mean, this is for a bigger studio. Obviously, for an indie, if you're launching, you might need that early access money to help fund the rest of your development. But for bigger studios, like, you know, the demands are less. Yeah, I, I also feel like this is just being married to a business model that doesn't exist anymore, and it's specifically a marketing model where it was like movies. You know, you 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 build towards a big release, promote, 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 and then it goes out, and that week you get most of your sales, and then you move on to the next thing. When now, you know, Grand Theft Auto Five is in the top ten games on Steam forever for you know a decade. Right. Um, it's not unusual for a game just to continue to sell. So, or, and I think I hope Baldur's Gate and, and to some degree Cyberpunk is a great example for publishers of like it's okay to launch and be transparent, and then get your big moment later on that will get you even more sales. Like this is not going to, you're not going to miss your one opportunity to sell the game, especially if you're like very transparent from the drop. Yeah. Or if you can afford it, just delay the game until it's ready. Yeah, that's, that's another great idea. I mean, I think that it's not... I I don't think it's a, a mistake that CD Projekt Red also had um, a, a big franchise like Witcher that they could probably lean on for a lot of additional sales. And this game's still so great. I, like, for, for, it's hard to say that it didn't work, right? Like... The it's very similar to the story with with No Man's Sky, I think, where it was so hyped, it had a big launch, it got a lot of money, and it was able to use that like lead, that little like that oxygen that that allowed them to keep working on the game. Like it 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 seemed to have paid off in both of those cases, right? Yeah. In in the end. Yeah. Oh, it's inter- I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I, it's also kind of a weird aspect specifically with cd project just because by nature of them being a public company but also being a company that releases so few games it's not like you know obviously activision's a public company but they have they can like mix it up with call of duty and diablo they they can like if one thing fails it's not necessarily the entire year right 
Um, and so here, I mean, you look at what their stock price did. It was at 30 around launch, and it's, you know, now at 10, 7. So, it's like, funny that this would happen to a game about cyberpunk because it, what just an example of the, how complicated it is when art and like commerce meet and i'm sure that there are a lot of people in the studio who wish they could have just worked on it forever and i'm sure that there are people at the studio who are like hey we need to get this out the door because we need the money and i'm sure that there are people in the studio who just wanted a bonus and maybe we're all commerce like i think it's it's easy to forget that there are a whole bunch of different motives within a company like this that range like the entire spectrum of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Video games are hard, man. Yeah. Video games yeah, are hard. I don't make them. How do they do it? How do they do you it, know? Hey, should we uh, open up the reader mailbag? Yes. Yeah, what do they want? Okay. Uh, Fresh, do you, do you want to grab this first question? Sure. First question... Uh, okay, so uh, this question comes from Max G. Have you all seen the craziness with Titanfall 2 reviving and the tinfoil theories surrounding it? Do you think there will ever be a Titanfall 3? And are there any other games you'd like to see get a second chance or a sequel? So the craziness, my understanding, and I'm not like big into the Titanfall community, but Titanfall 2 got an update, a software update just recently which is pretty weird to see for a game that has essentially been untouched for many, many years for there to be an update that like addresses some like exploits and patches and various other things. So that has resulted in theories of Titanfall 3 coming out. Now, obviously, Respawn has a very successful Titanfall franchise in Apex Legends that is in the Titanfall universe. Um so I don't know. It's interesting. It's possible. I love. There's Titanfall some weird too. stuff it's... too. They put out like their patch notes, and there was like weird Unix code referencing oh, Titanfall I didn't... one and and two. Interesting. Uh, I I don't think it would be that big a surprise. People. It's love also Titanfall the 2 Titanfall and... two frequently goes on sale for like three dollars. So if you've never played it, it's uh, a great get, video. Get game. that fucking game for three dollars. It's insanely good. Um, you get to be Matthew Mercer. I mean, can you imagine? The, the dream i do you do you think a titanfall 3 would be good but uh, here's my <laughs> anxiety about this here's, here's, well, here's we knew the, the answer to that we could just save them a lot of time and guys well, well, will I, be good <laughs> I, my question is titanfall as an ip is like not i think like a, a life-changing ip but the writing and level design in titanfall 2 was incredible like valve level good and i don't know if the people who made Titanfall 2 still work there. Maybe they do, but it's been a long time and the studio has been doing a lot of different things. I mean, a lot of the level design that worked in Titanfall 2, we've seen in Star Wars Jedi Survivor and stuff like that. So I think that you have some of those chops still and the writing as well, like is, is good in Jedi Survivor. You know, the larger question is like, do you make a campaign centric shooter these days? Uh, I mean, it's kind of just Call of Duty pushing that needle. And, and even, even Call of Duty, their campaigns it. are like three hours yeah. long now. Um, I feel like it. what would make more sense is some sort of evolution of Apex. Like, folding the two together, I think. Like, they're in the same world already. Like, would they make a 
Titanfall three before they make Apex Legends two. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's where the money is uh, uh, these days. So I don't, I don't know. I'd like it though. Make yeah, me I mean, Apex is the valuable of the two. People have actually heard of Apex Legends right. at this point, whereas Titanfall has been languishing untouched for a decade. <laughs> Fresh, so, have we ever been more off base than when a- we heard about Apex Legends before it came out, and we're like, really? A battle royale from Titanfall, and they didn't even call it Titanfall. They're calling it Apex Legends. Well, they kind yeah, of we surprise dropped it, right? It was it yeah. was kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, we definitely fucked that one up. Uh, <laughs> whoopsie! Take everything we say with a grain of salt. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Um, okay. Uh, next question. Uh, this one's from Connor. With spooky season coming up quickly, what are some of the best horror movies to watch if you aren't necessarily a fan of them? Oh my gosh. This is a good question. I can we uh, Halloween maybe Halloween movie. You know like if you scary movies if you like scary movies, I don't know how to recommend that to people. Like if, if, but like Halloween movies, there are things that I don't think are that are not scary that I tend to watch every Halloween. You mean like Hocus Pocus? What are you talking about? No, I'm talking about Mr. like Boogity? um The American Scream is one that uh, I watch every single year. If you've never watched it, it's a documentary about home haunters uh, that all live in like one town and their relationships with each other and why they make home haunts like turn their their yards into haunted houses, basically. Um, and it's a it's like beautiful and human. And it's very much like a celebration of the idea of Halloween in the way that like most Christmas movies are really uh, nail the tone of like what makes that holiday special. This is one of the few that like I think gets Halloween really right. So the American Scream is one that I watch every year. It it is uh, fantastic. Um, I always say the thing. It's my favorite. Um, it's one of my Wait, favorite movies for of all people time. who don't like scary things. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I don't know what to the tell you about scary man. You asked for a horror movie, so um, that's why I adapted it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, but it's a horror movie, so it's gonna have scare. I don't think that the thing is like terrifying. I think the thing is Are fucking you, cool. That's so wild, Griffin. That's a what? wild take. Are you saying I can make another recommendation since Griffin is just really, just really? I don't know. It. I stand by my recommendation. I don't think the thing is a particularly terrifying movie. About- I think it's a cool survival tale, more of a of- thriller. This is about it's how it's, it's, it's about ingen- it's about ingenuity and survival uh-huh. in the face. There's a cute dog a- in it. There's a cute dog, and there's lots of um. There's you know, it's it's like uh. Have you guys played Among Us? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> It's like that. It's like they made a movie. Yeah, it is kind of like Among Us. Whoa. Yeah, I can't recommend it. I have others, but <laughs> I don't want to. Rec- I can't recommend anything else right now because of the ongoing uh, strike. So happy to, that the WGA has a deal. I hope that SAG after gets 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 uh, a deal very soon too. Um, I I because I'm a dork. I put together a list on Letterbox that I'll link in the newsletter so you should go subscribe to bestuse.fan and i have a whole collection of movies that i think are like a perfect match for this just to name one of them tales from the crypt demon knight Mm, perfect what's the last question we got uh this comes from michaela w uh apparently the intro of this week's only murders in the building episode has a cast recording a podcast that starts the besties are back yeah, I saw that uh, last <laughs> night. We watched it. It was that's yeah. some bullshit. 
Send us a check. That's our trademark. Well, okay. We listener and fan of the, the show. Are back. Yeah, the listener and fan of the show, Josh Briscoe, texted me about this. And he noted that they say the besties are back three times, which is also the number of times that this show has been revived from the dead. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, like, maybe it's some sort of like they're like reaching out to us. Arguably, we revive the, the show every week from the dead. Yeah, this show mm. could disappear at any <laughs> moment. So it's always that is true. We like to keep the audience the on their toes. Um, do we got any honorable mentions? Honorable mentions. Yeah, Point, you have a thematic one. Yeah, Cyberpunk Edge Runners is an anime on Netflix, and it is absolutely fantastic. And here's a word of warning: big uh, R rating on this. Uh, yes, it's a cartoon, but cartoons, they're not just for kids these days. <gasps> and this one is very adult. So uh, keep any children away unless, hey, you know, you want them to see some really, really terrifying, upsetting stuff. Yep. Makes them tough. Uh, I'm That's recommending true. a movie, which is called No One Will Save You. Uh, yes. It's streaming on Hulu. Uh, we are going to talk about it on Resties more. Plant, you just recommended this to our, the the Austin group chat, right? Is this the film yeah, you were yeah, talking yeah. about? My Why recommendation. Still allowed in the Austin group chat, and I'm not. Why am I still allowed in the Austin group chat? My recommendation for No One Will Save You is: uh, so long as you're okay with some spooks, some scares, don't read about it. Just jump jump right in and and have yourself a time. It's it's a nice tight ninety minutes long, which I love to see. And uh, Plant didn't give me any more uh, notice than that. And uh, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about it more on uh, Resties on Tuesday. So if you want to be up on it, tune in over the weekend and enjoy yourself because it's quite the ride. Um, I've been playing. I tried Blasphemous 2 again at Russ's constant behest. Uh, I, I, think const- we're talk I haven't it. talked to you in like a month about Blasphemous 2. You just knew uh, in the back of your head. Constant I'm like a little angel uh, on your shoulder. You feel the I, feel the, I feel the, <laughs> the, the, the heat of your breath on the nape of my neck as you just whisper things, Catholic things, over and over and over again. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it kicks ass. I'm so glad that I got back into it. Uh, I play, I'm playing it on Switch, which is uh, I'm having a uh, you know much better time because my Switch Lite is so much smaller than the Steam Deck. And I have frail hands and forearms. I'm doing my best to improve that. Uh, hitting the gym so I can handle the Steam Deck's big, powerful, <laughs> no, virile no, frame. Hey, um, no cap. Okay, no cap. Yeah, more. When push. I play the Steam Deck, I have to have <laughs> I have to have a lap pillow for to support its weight <laughs> because of my carpal tunnel syndrome is so bad. I can't support this beefy boy. I yeah. gotta have a, a support system. I'm hoping they'll come out with some sort of neck brace that could just keep it hanging in front of me. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, at that point, you you are just building kind of a shitty home PC. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend that. So I think we're gonna talk more about Blasphemous 2 next week, I believe. Um, everyone in this room will someday be dead by Emily Austin is a book I read this week. It is, uh, uh, the story of a atheist lesbian woman who has, uh, a lot of, uh, anxiety and she through a, to a point where it's, it's almost sort of destabilizing for her. Uh, and through a v- variety of circumstances, she finds herself as the secretary at a Catholic church uh, who no one knows 
that she is uh, not, in fact, a Catholic. And it is a really – I have never read a book that takes you inside what a a panic attack feels like or what anxi- like baseline anxiety uh, feels like as sort of well as this book does. Um, it, it, it really – uh, it was it was one of those that's tough to read, but it's also kind of like reassuring when you see things echoed that have gone through your head in the past as well. It can can feel nice. It's funny. It's 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 humane in a way that is very earned and doesn't feel sort of like cheap or easy. Um, and uh, I read the whole thing in one day because I I just thought it was fantastic. So it's called Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead by uh, Emily Austin. If you're in a rough headspace, I would maybe give it a pass until you're feeling a little better because it, it, going that that deep in the paint, as it were, can be uh, a bit much if I was in uh, a worse a worse place emotionally, I think. Cool. You like it, Plant. You like stuff that upsets you. you like it does sound <laughs> really my speed. I'm I'm already looking at it on, uh, on the, my little bookstore's website. He's a sad little boy. Uh, yeah, but it's good. It's good though. Cause he's like, he stays one step ahead of everybody else. You know what I mean? He leaves it, he leaves it in the movies and then he just he's, has a heart of joy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just yeah. gets, out all, gets out all the demons. That's right. With the movies and books. Speaking um, of demons, I'd like to thank the following oh, people. Wait, for wait, I have to, oh. I have to keep updating Man, everyone. Such a good segue. On, I have to keep updating everyone on the most unbelievable story of the year. I'm still playing Sea of Stars. I've almost completed it. I am now running around doing final in-game content in an attempt to collect everything. After 30 hours, I'm finally about to beat Sea of Stars. I know. Fucking amazing. For a game that when we talked about it the very first time, I said, no thanks. That has turned to a yes, please. I'll take all that you have. (laughs) So cool. I really would like Griffin to play more of it. I keep begging him. Just like, brother, brother, I will. I will. It's it's next after Blasphemous. Speaking of demons... (laughs) Uh, thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. We have Colin Denton, Old Boomstick, and Physics Student 999. Thank you for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone else who has written reviews or talked about the show or shared it or subscribed to the newsletter at besties.fan. Next week, we're going to go out to the, to the indie fields to see what crops have reached their full potentiality. And we're going to take the most delicate juicy berries and bring them back for you uh, to enjoy with a with a, a wide variety of of uh, games. I know we're going to be talking about Blasphemous Two some more, uh, El Paso Elsewhere, uh, Chance of Sonar. Uh, I might try to make everybody talk about a new uh, uh, the the Isle Tide Hotel, a new FMV game that is out. We'll see if I'm successful in that. And uh, yeah, so much more. So uh, catch it next week. And be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because should the world's best friends pick the world's best games? <laughs>